you feel like you, you kind of got locked in your favorite game? Like, I don't think I can make it have a favorite movie or favorite game that has come out in the last five years. I feel like I got locked into what my favorite things are around the time when you start thinking about what your favorite things are first. And you, I, I, it's hard for me to go, well, I love something so much now that it usurps one of my old favorites. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. This is We Have Concerns, by the way. Hi, Jeff Canada. Oh, hi, Anthony Carboni. What, what brought us to this? Why are we talking about this? Well, I saw this article on Gizmodo where uh, this woman, Dr. Jordan Ellenberg, well, maybe it's a man. I guess Jordan can be either, mm-hmm. um, came up with this way of figuring out what the most started but not finished books are <laughs> on Amazon. Okay. So she came up with this kind of weird way of doing it where she indexed the passages that people highlighted most. Yeah, they highlighted. went through like Goodreads and the Kindle site exactly. and stuff like that. And yeah. so she looked at the the areas from the book that those came from, and if they were weighted in the first few chapters and not proportionate throughout the book. So already, I love this study, but already I have a problem with the way the data was with, with the data was collected. I agree with you. I start off any new book highlighting and highlighting and highlighting and highlighting and then your and, highlighter goes dry and then i then my digital highlighter on my kindle goes dry no then uh i just sort of fall into the rhythm of reading and i highlight less and less as i go through the book uh the other thing is because so many people ha- do the same thing where they start off highlighting yeah your kindle shows you those suggested highlights right. and i have a tendency because those things are there to think oh right, I should highlight things. And then as they dwindle, as you go on through the book, you think about highlighting less. So, all right, so flaw. I, I have problems with data. that. Yeah, I have problems with the data collection, but I love the idea of this study. So I think you'd probably be able to guess. And I think also some of them are a function of how popular a book is because when something hits critical mass and then a lot of people pick it up just to sort of be in on the conversation, yeah. but they aren't really interested. It turns in out it. to not be your thing. Yeah. So number one, I think, pretty obvious, lean in. Oh, yeah. Which is a book that I think a lot of women, I, I read some of it as well, didn't read all of it, so I'm guilty. I put me in this percentage. They said it's 12.3%. She calls it the Hawking Index, by the way. Oh. Brief History of Time being the, the benchmark for starting a book and finishing <laughs> it. Uh, so it's 12.3% of the book is, is the average, supposedly, based on this stuff. Really? Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where people got it for a gift. They've been, you know, they think they should read it. Yada, yada, yada. I, so uh, there are a couple questions popping into my head already. Number one is, uh, do we feel more comfortable walking away from a book than we do turning off a movie or yes. stopping a video game in the middle? Well, I think definitely more than a movie because a movie you can sit down and digest in one sitting mm-hmm. and even if it's terrible, a lot of people think, eh, it's two hours of my life and I'm yeah. done. Book is a little bit more of an investment. Video game is a little bit more of an investment. I think I used to be one of those guys. I don't know if you were like this. When I was young, I used yeah. to, I'm all about the big, weird, self-imposed rules. Yeah. And I used to force myself to finish any book I started. I'm not like that anymore. I, I got not enough time in my life. If, I, if a book hasn't grabbed me in the first few chapters, I'm out. Well, the video game and the movie thing are like basically real world sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy right. is just, you know, bad money after good. It's gambler's fallacy where it's just like, well, I've already spent this much on it. 
I might as well finish because of my investment that I've made. When in reality, like if you're 30 minutes into uh, Transformers, Age of Extinction, yes. you walk out in for- 45 minutes, you've saved an hour and 45 minutes. You're ahead. You're ahead. of the game. And, and I think you probably have this experience too where you know within the first 10 minutes. Oh, I know. Like a movie or- I know when I, you know, I hate to be this guy because it's not always true. I kind of, I know by the trailer... I do. I know by the trailer whether I'm going to be into job, right? Sure, but the trailer's job is to convince me that I'm going to love the movie. You know what I mean? But I'll watch a trailer and I'll be like, nope. Absolutely. Even a trailer for something that's made in a way where the trailer is perfectly marketing to me, I'll just watch it and I'll be like, no, absolutely not. I like this trailer, but that movie's going to suck. Um, what, are the, what are the books on this list? So lean in. Think fast and slow. No, th- thinking, thinking, thinking fast. Thinking fast yeah, yeah. A brief history of time, sure. For which it is named, and capital in the twenty first century. So all nonfiction books, mm-hmm. which I think is unfortunate. I would love to see a list that includes fiction titles, um, because I'm sure there's a lot. But this is all aspirational reading. It's all aspirational reading. It's all people wanting to better their lives and going, "Eh, I don't have time for this." <laughs> <laughs> so no, but this is. This is kind of interesting. You're like, I'm going to read a brief history of time, and I'm going to learn about physics in the universe and whatever. And I'm going to be a hit at the dinner party. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. But I think, you know, I think people think they want brief history of time, and what they really want is cosmos, right? Right, yeah. I mean, that's what they really want. Right. But I, I, I feel like my entire life is full of things like this. My Netflix queue is the queue of a man who's just really in... To documentary and great films in the world around him, and just a guy who's just it's a little really delusional, really looking to learn something. And then it, when you go down to my watch it again section, <laughs> and the reality sets in, it's like, do you want to see House Hunters International again? <laughs> yes, I do. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that's how I'm going to spend. My I would love. I would I love to do that. Cue to remain. Uh, yeah. Should you watch RoboCop for the 80th time? <laughs> yes, I should. Technically, it's it's uh, it's social commentary and satire. So I feel like I'm getting just as much out of RoboCop as I would out of anything else. Well, I feel like back in the day when when you could walk into someone's house and look at their DVD collection mm-hmm. or look at their bookshelf, yep, or their albums, little, or their albums, you yep. get a little snapshot of of their personality. And I I took a lot of care in in deciding which DVDs I purchased and which things I had on my shelf because I wanted to project a certain version of myself sure. in the digital age. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Well, what's interesting is media companies are feeding into this thing, right? They're feeding into the, you know, the John Waters. If you go to somebody's house and they don't have books on their shelves, don't fuck them. Like they're feeding right. into that a hundred percent because now if I think about my shelves, okay, you walk into a Barnes and Noble now, and the classic literature that they make are these hardcover books that are beautifully bound, have amazing cover art, and cost like five bucks. Right. They're like bargain classics of literature that look amazing on your shelf. When you think about buying an album now, well, if I'm going to buy the album, I can pay an extra eight bucks, still get the download, and then get the album on vinyl, and then I have this very impressive shelf full of vinyl. You know, the Netflix queue, like all this stuff, our entire lives now are set up based on aspirational media versus the reality of what we're taking in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, I mean, I, I, I think that's true, but I don't know. 
I don't think I take as much care as I used to simply because it's only in the digital realm. And mm-hmm. I don't imagine people checking out my Netflix queue, for example. Well, your choice, is, but your choice, though, is about the shelves, because if you're going to put one movie on right. those shelves, all those movies have to be good. But if you're going to put, put five on books on the shelves anymore, well, that's the choice. Own shit anymore. Just don't own anything. And then nobody knows. You can be the smartest man alive or the dumbest man alive. You got to keep those shelves clear. I think I might be both. <laughs> <laughs> how much uh, how much of your steam of your steam library of your netflix queue right. of all this stuff. how much of that is is aspirational versus stuff that you actually play read i watch? think there's a, a i think there's a lot of it that's aspirational especially my netflix queue steam same way a lot of that and I've, i'm starting to learn especially with steam where i have to purchase things to get them in there yeah to pump the brakes a little bit uh because time is such a mitigating factor, but my Netflix queue, there's, there's things that have been on my queue for years. I haven't touched. I, just, I intend to watch at some point. Ooh, I better put this on so I don't have to search for it when I want to watch it because I'm going to watch it. I don't think I've watched anything on my queue in years. I think it's literally been two to three years since I watched something on my queue. Yeah. The queue is just a place for you to feel good about yourself now. <laughs> So it's I, weird. It's, it's <laughs> displaying for no one. For no one. It's for, for you. you. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. We, we know that we want to watch these things that are important or will make us more intelligent. Why don't we do it? Why do I sit down, turn on Netflix and go, I've been really meaning to watch that documentary about the, oh, they made a cartoon out of Turbo. <laughs> turbo cartoon about a snail he's gonna run around i should really watch this because it's about whaling and like overfit and i should really know what's going on in the oh my god tinkerbell's new friend is a fairy and a pirate that is confusing and i bet it's causing a lot of problems in neverland why why are we doing this why do we do this well i mean it's eating, it's eating your broccoli, right? Maybe it feels a little bit like eating your broccoli. and But it's voluntary. You put it in the queue yourself. Yeah. Because you want to be the guy who eats broccoli. But fucking ice cream is delicious. <laughs> but then what do we do? Like, so what do we do in, in a year after I have paid for my Rosetta Stone subscription, but I haven't opened the app once? This is a hypothetical example. Dude, that is the best example. <laughs> because talk about the talk about the the books you start but never finish. I would love to know the data on Rosetta Stone owners. Oh man. Hours in V money out. So what happens in a year after you haven't read those books, after you haven't like do you get guilt? Do you feel guilty when you look? I feel a little guilty about this stuff. I start thinking of, I start tallying ice cream sandwiches and time wasted. Yeah, there's a lot of guilt. And it's the same thing with buying like exercise equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, in that moment, in that moment, I am going to be the guy that uses this. I'm going to do it. So this is a function of willpower. This is a function of, yeah. of delayed gratification. You're somebody who like, a couple of years ago, you you lost like a lot of weight. You started running. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that? And how do you apply that to reading Gravity's Rainbow? Well, um, this is going to sound all whatever, but I, you know, I I kind of got addicted to the feeling of feeling good about it, mm-hmm. and uh, the setting weird rules to myself, like getting into audiobooks and then saying I can only listen to an audiobook when I'm running or uh, 
you know, the idea of doing something you didn't think you could do is pretty awesome. Sure. You know, it, fe- it feels good. And so the, the, the gratification, learning that that gratification can feel pretty darn good too. But I don't know. I have a hard time with that. My, my it's easy always- to break. Like it's easy yeah. to break because you can run for three, like for three weeks straight and then not run for three days for whatever reason. You're on a job. You go out of town, like whatever, right. whatever. Yeah. And then you come back and you, you blink and you realize it's been a month since you were running. Right. Yeah, I know it happens to me all the time. I'll go to the gym and I'll be going to the gym consistently. I'd be like, I don't understand how I ever got in a place where I didn't go to the gym. It feels, it's so easy. I just go to the gym. It's, and then all of a sudden three months go by and you're just like, I haven't been to the gym in three months. How did I ever go to the gym every day? I don't know how I did that. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It, Dude, I'm doing that. I like, I'm doing that right now. It's been, it's been three months of me being here in LA and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do all the things that I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to be my own man and no one can stop me. The summer of George. And then I show up and it's, it's like hot and sunny and I'm tired and I just, I play a lot of video games. Like I play a lot of video games. Like I made a couple of videos. I've gone and done some things. I feel pretty good. I worked a couple of jobs, but like, man, I know that I'm going to look back in six months after I've built up momentum and been like, why did I spend those first 90 days just dicking around? Yeah. How is it? Why can't we just, if you know, if you know that true blood's going to suck, <laughs> cause it is, it's going to suck. If you know that it's going to suck, why can't you watch that documentary? What is it in the moment that goes, I could watch three episodes of True Blood and not think and be a non-thinking lump and yeah. define myself that way? And God, that sounds good. The other one just feels I'll just like be work, a non-thinking right? lump. Yeah. I don't, it's effort and it's work and, it, and you perceive it as, as such instead of perceiving it as a treat. But which, isn't that crazy? Is that like is that like conditioning? Is that something that we got from school from growing up? Because these are goals that we're setting for ourselves. Right. I, nobody told me that I have to watch this documentary on whaling, but I looked at the description and I said, I'm going to be really into this documentary. I want to know more about this. This seems interesting to me. There's something I guess in terms of those movies and some of these books I can't be bummed for that long. I'm not in the mood to yeah. be bummed. And right. I think that's the thing. Maybe like a lot of important stuff has the connotation of you're going to learn something, but this is going to bum you out. Well, I think you hit hit on something really interesting there in the sense of like it, a learned perception based on school because my least favorite subject when I was growing up was history. I hated it, thought it was dumb, didn't want to do it. I love history now. Yeah. I'm fascinated by history. But history was never presented as these awesome, dramatic stories that shaped where we are right now. Maybe once a year you have a substitute he lets you watch Braveheart. Right. You know, like, and then you're like, man, history, let's kill guys with sticks. Right, but then you sort of feel like you're cheating. You yeah. feel like, ah, oh, this isn't really history. This is just the sub, mm-hmm. you know? But I feel like all, all, of, all of those things that we're supposed to learn the context in which they're delivered to us, and maybe you're just too young to get it, mm-hmm. but it, it does carry over and feel like, it feels like a homework instead of, oh man, I get to find out about the Civil War. You these Civil War dudes who are like all into the Civil War. Yeah. And I always feel like those, it's a treat for those dudes to, to freaking read about army formations in that book that's super thick. And yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read about how General Lee freaking did that. 
and I, and I'm I'm like, oh, that sounds dry and terrible. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it's it, it's no different. The information is no different. Well, that's what's funny is if you go back and you look at me in high school, uh, I would have told you two things. I would have told you that I my least favorite subject was science. Yeah. Funnily enough. Ironic, right? Uh, but also that I felt like I should love science and I didn't know why I didn't. Um, and I think maybe that's the thing, you know, when you're trying to learn something, I want to know about whaling. I want to know what's going on. I want to know why it's bad. The movie's probably really good, but there's this fear that the information is going to be presented in a way that you don't enjoy, that you won't find relevant. There's part of me that's like, well, I could watch this and it could be a shitty movie and then maybe like I'll actually care less about whales. <laughs> maybe like I'll watch this movie and it'll be terrible. And I'll be like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. I don't know. I don't get why everybody's so, you know what I mean? Or, really? or it'll just concerned be, about that? I'm not so concerned about that, but you know what I mean? I'm concerned that it's going to be presented in a way that doesn't engage me. Yeah. Um, because there's so much, there's so much worry about that. Like digging through these books, like everybody thinks they want to read a brief history of time. Right. You don't want to read a brief history of time. You're like 12% you pro- into lean in and you're like, eh, screw the You ladies. probably want to read like pale blue dot or you want to read like, you want to read something that's a little, you probably even want to just read astrophysics for dummies, right. you know, but there's something about like the prestige of being like, I'm going to watch blackfish tonight. Because everybody's watching Blackfish, and then I'm going to know. Or, you know, I'm going to read War and Peace, motherfuckers. Oh, who likes Russian literature? It's this guy. I know everything about Tsarist Russia. War and Peace is not, like, the best, most interesting book of Russian literature, but it's just, like, I I could name, like, five other five other novels that you would enjoy more that are just as important in Russian literature. But for some reason, this one gets held up. Why do these ones get held up? I think that the revelation that I had at a certain age that blew my mind is that the things that we were forced to read, Mm -hmm. we were only forced to read them because a whole lot of people thought they were really good. Yeah. Like it's been, it's like saying, Oh my God, you have to go see this movie. Instead, it's the school saying, oh, my God, you have to read this book. You have to read Huckleberry Finn. You have to read uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's not because those are somehow the broccoli of books. It's because people thought they were fucking awesome. And they wanted our culture to carry them forward and all of our children to know when I say Boo Radley who I'm talking about. There are a few where it's like... Huck Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird are great. And, you know, the thing is, if you can get a kid to open them up and read them, they will actually enjoy them. There are things like The Scarlet Letter, historically important, the first American novel, super important in terms of being the first American novel. Right. Holy shit, that's a bad novel. (laughs) That's not, it's not good. Don't read, learn about Nathaniel Hawthorne and just like do that, but don't make kids read the scar. It's not good. Yeah. It's it's so bad as a book for for people to read. <laughs> it breaks my face. I was just Moby Dick is something that like wasn't even taught in my school other than like and then Herman Melville made Moby Dick and that was pretty great. Let's move on. And it's like motherfucker, that's the good one. Right. You know, and yeah. so I that's what that's what kills me is we read all these lists and that's the other thing is we are a culture of lists now. We are a culture of top five, have you seen, have you read, this is the best, you should know about. Yeah, I think we're like number six on the countries of lists. Yeah, we're countries that love lists. We come in under Uruguay. Yeah. 
They but love like God, dude. If you go to Uruguay, they yeah. list everything. You yeah. go to a you go to a hotel in Uruguay and uh Six I, towels. it's just like a little card on your dresser that tells you how to open the drawer, put things in, push the dresser drawer. At least I think that's what it said. I'm pretty sure I've never been there, but uh I've had my Uruguayan uh Rosetta Stone for like a year. <laughs> And I haven't actually opened it, but it looked like there were just lists of simple things all over Uruguay when I went. But this is the thing. We're so obsessed with these lists. And it's just like, well, I got to know, too. It's like, who the fuck are these guys? Why are these guys the arbiter of what you should know? Yeah. I think maybe because it's hard to find things on your own. There's so much stuff out there. Yeah. And I think the the whole, well, I was going to say lists and the Internet go hand in hand because there's such a vast array of information. We need someone to break it down curation right curation, curation which is a, one of those words that makes me want to stab my eye with a fork yeah because who makes who makes you the curator who makes this kid who writes for paste like here are the top 10 moments in 70s cinema well, they're just trying to be helpful are they you know the are grand, they? they're just trying to be helpful they want are they? they want you to enjoy your stay and here's six ways you can <laughs> in this hotel i don't know i i i think for me you know, it really is about habits. It really is about building up those, building up those connections in the brain, right? Getting myelinating those connections. The more you do something, the more it becomes a habit. The more your brain wants to do well, it. Well, there is science to, to suggest that willpower is a muscle that can be exercised, and the more you do it, the easier it becomes. There, yeah. There's there's science that says that. There's science that says that's not true. There's like there's stupid. There's stupid. Yeah, Science. it's well. There were two. There were two studies within a year, and one was like you have a limited amount of willpower. It's a muscle, and then the other one's like it's not a fucking muscle, dude. Like <laughs> don't even don't even talk like that. Uh, but there is. I mean, there there is a lot of the stuff. Journal, that's like this guy's a lame. Yeah, the journal. I'm with stupid. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it just lays on a library <laughs> shelf right next to the other journal. Yeah, from the journal. <laughs> it's the, it's American neuroscience, and <laughs> then I'm with stupid. And then the other one is like, that's what she said. <laughs> um, no, but there is a thing. The more you do something, the more your brain becomes a brain that can do that easily. Your brain prioritizes this stuff. And so the more you come home and you watch True Blood instead of a documentary, the more you read, you know, some hilarious memoir from a comedian instead of, you know, an actual instead of a brief history of time, instead of these other things, the more you're a person who doesn't want to do those things. And I think it's hard when we're being curated to by people who don't know anything about us and algorithms that just go based on what we bought before. Yeah. Well, I feel I'm going to bring up Isaac Asimov in two contexts right here. Love it. Cause that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, first is I love Isaac Asimov's, uh, hair. His, death, I love his glasses, his, his chops. I love his knowing. Chops. I know. I love his knowing chops. Yeah. Um, his definition of intelligence mm-hmm. is is that if you think of all data as a series of dots, uh, the more intelligent you are, the more the farther away those dots can be from each other, and you can connect them. Right? Yep. So you can take two disparate things and yeah. make connections. I love that. Uh, and the other thing I will say is that whenever people talk about big data and mining information, I always wonder why no one brings up the fucking foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Psychohistory gives me so much confidence in big data. Yeah. How else is psychohistory going to happen? We need Harry Seldon to come down from on high and, and tell us what's going to happen in the world. And the only way he's able to do that is because of big data. So take my big data, predict the future with it. I'm cool. 
Thank you, Foundation. Peace out. Great book to read. But can, the, but can Big Data find the right book for you to read on a Thursday? Would Big Data have given you Foundation at I the right time so. in your life? I hope I invested enough into the my data stream to get that predictive thing right. You know what would be neat? You know what we should do? I would like to do this. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let everyone be the cool curators now instead of whoever these people are who are writing these articles and making these YouTube videos that you should just click on past. Here's what you do. You guys should send me and Jeff uh, one thing to read or watch or experience, and uh, we'll pick some, and we'll actually do a thing where we talk about it like and, how, and how it made us feel. So, yeah, uh, you, can, uh, you can tweet it at us. Uh, I'm at a Carboni. And I'm at Jeff Canada. And you can also send it to uh, wehaveconcerns.com slash ask. That's also a place where you can ask us questions or send us news stories or other things that you want us to talk about here on the show. Meanwhile, we're going to be trying to get stuff published in the journal. That's what she said. <laughs> Meanwhile, I am going to go home and finally watch I, Claudius, instead of Drake and Josh. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs>